Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. So as you know, you're tuned in to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. It's Josh Carey right here sitting with another fantastic guest. It is Barbara Turley. She is the founder and CEO of The Virtual Hub. She places uh, virtual assistants across digital media, social media, and all kinds of media in your hands as an entrepreneur so you can grow, so you can succeed. Uh, Welcome to the show, Barbara. That's a great intro, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. I want to start with something interesting that I, I rarely, if ever, discuss, and it is the, the current times that we find ourselves in. And I'm just intrigued to hear from your point of view with our current scenario, with everybody being virtual themselves, probably not having found themselves in that environment prior. And now, you know, it's almost our new normal. You hear that all the time. From your business over the past six to nine months, is it, are we embracing you more, less, or exactly the same? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when this thing first hit, we had a raft of cancellations come through as people, you know, were like the panic set in and cancellations came like thick and fast for a few days. And then it was really interesting because all of a sudden, within a week or two, the cancellations were cancelled. People were like, oh, no, 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 I've realised that I actually can't get rid of the VA because if I do that, then I'm really screwed. So that was the initial funny sort of weird experience. And then we had a lot of issues where clients were, were realising that, but they were in massive pain financially. I mean, they, you know, some of them had lost 90% of their own clients. So we worked heavily in those early days with our clients to just get through you know, whatever we could do together to just all get through. And what's been interesting since then is initially then things kind of died down and it was just the same as normal. The bit We just didn't lose any clients, but everything was in this kind of holding pattern. And then all of a sudden, I think around June, July, it was like the, the switch flipped in people's heads everywhere. And they realized, oh my God, this is, we need to, we need to get with the program here. This is not going to end. And I think it's even more now I'm noticing even like September, October, as we're rolling through this year, that switch is flipping for more and more people where they're saying, even if we find a a vaccine and, and even if, even if, even if, are we going back? You know, we're not, right? So people are realizing that it is a, a fundamental change in how we are working. 
And therefore, if we are all remote now or we're all used to it now, it really is irrelevant where anyone is. And that makes offshoring mm. and, you know, VAs and all of these things that some companies maybe avoided in the past mm. just so much more palatable and just much easier. It's a no brainer now, yeah. you know. Are there certain job descriptions in your stable that because of these past six to nine months are now in more demand? What don't I know? What should I know? Oh my God, it, like digital. Anything digital is like, you know, I mean, every, I mean, digital was big anyway, but I've heard someone describe it as we've done 10 years of digital transformation around the world in the space of eight months, like six months really, is like a 10 year transition. Mm. And because of that, every company is trying to, um, and, and that's not just digital marketing, by the way, we're talking systems, automation, platforms. People are trying to get into the next century in the space of five minutes flat. And people <sighs> need, you know, coupled with that, what's also happening is the need for an examination of what I call your people budget. So it's like the last bastion of wastage where, you know, we have automated to within an inch of our lives in business. We have, uh, you know, looked at efficiency across lead generation in, in things like clients and marketing. And, you know, we've done everything really efficiently. But what we're realizing now is that we have of our budget that we spend on HR and people, how many, how much of our people's time is being spent on tasks that are actually easily delegatable? Mm. And Harvard Business Review did a study on this and they reckon it's about 40% um, of people's time. So if it's easily delegatable, meaning there's a process there, um, then we should be freeing up our onshore or our, you know, more expensive staff's time to do more of the revenue generating or more of the business building stuff. And we need to be more efficient with everybody's time. And our people budget needs to be spent more efficiently. Are we talking about good old fashioned working on your business versus in your business? Uh, yes. And with your team, if you do have a team. Mm -hmm. So for example, no longer are people going to be accepting of paying $80,000 a year to someone to do $10 an hour jobs you know, or five buck an hour jobs, you know, meaning like stuff that is process driven could easily be done by a virtual assistant in somewhere like the Philippines, like what we do. And that concept is becoming, because everyone's watching the budget now and they're watching the pennies, right? Or the, you know, the cents that makes that, that means people are focusing on this and they're starting to think, hold on, maybe I could be more efficient with the money that I'm spending on my human capital here. Hmm. I'm not talking about getting rid of people or firing oh, people. It's more rejigging your um the tasks that are being done so that your sales team can get after more sales that your strategists can get after more strategy and take on more clients and that the admin stuff is not holding people back i'm sure i i don't even want to right now get into the the money reserve meaning people logically know that they could and should hire in this regard but they're like no i can't afford it or i don't want to expense on it right now but besides that, do you find that people will resist this? Again, aside from any financial concern, whether founded or not, do you think founders and entrepreneurs resist it because it, or, or they, they hold on to the opposite because they want to hold on to a sense of control? Yeah, it is like, I'd love to unpack. There's so many things I can unpack in that question, right? So I'm just going to try and start at the top and go, Please. okay, naturally the entrepreneur, right? is brilliant at startup, right? Entrepreneurs naturally go out in the world and they find problems to solve and they get very excited about solving problems. Mm. 
And usually that's brilliant when you're doing product to market fit and you're trying to find the thing that's going to sell. The problem comes later when you have solved the problem, you're selling like hotcakes, you've got the thing moving and now you want to scale. And what most entrepreneurs forget is that is the moment when so many of them die because the skill set that you now need in order to take to the next level is systems, processes, teams, leadership, organization, delegation. You know, you need all of these concepts and that's more, um, it's less of the entrepreneur and more of the business builder or the integrator, the implementer. So, you know, that's why I think people resist it because they first can't get over that hurdle and they resist, entrepreneurs naturally resist wanting to do those things like building processes, leading teams, managing people, you know, and that's, it's not their natural skill set. Mm. So that's, a, that's like, you know, big problem number one. I think the other thing, the losing control thing is wrapped up in that because if you're good at building systems, processes and leading teams, you actually gain a sense of control by giving up control, mm. right? So you actually gain more control because the process, you, you, you've got structure. Whereas I think what entrepreneurs think, they imagine delegation as giving away to someone else and not having any oversight. That's abdication. That's not delegation, right? Even if you hire a strategist or somebody amazing on your team who's like high level expertise, they still need to report to you. You, you still need somebody overseeing the overall business direction and strategy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is this, as you say, the, the building of systems, processes and leading of teams, is that a learnable skill? It is to a certain extent, right? But it takes, it's like anything. It is an absolutely learnable skill, except it's, you know, for people that are not naturally good at it, it's quite painful, right? Mm. And they will resist it, right? So, you know, I often say like building processes to some people is like sticking needles in your eyeballs. It's like that you just don't want to do it. But it's that whole thing of mastering that. That's a business skill that so many businesses don't master. And mm. because they don't master it, they don't grow. And that's the honest truth. It's got nothing to do with how great a marketer you are or how great a salesperson you are or an entrepreneur. If you, you, the scaling part is about operationalizing all of this stuff. And that involves mastering this skill across this sort of, you know, it's like a COO role, your, your chief operating officer type. Uh, so you either hire it or you got to learn it. So either way, it's got to be done. You, you founded the Virtual Hub by accident. How? Yeah. What, what happened there? Well, first of all, I wasn't the natural born entrepreneur, right? So I wasn't the one with the lemonade stand or, you know, making ribbons and selling them on the side of the street as a child. I wanted to be a doctor. Um, that didn't happen. Long story, won't get into it. But I ended up um, studying economics at university and loved it. Found myself in the financial markets. You know, it just wanted to work in big corporate investment banking, trading floors. And I did all of that. I was an equity trader for 10 years. And I loved the whole, I loved the nature of being in that world. And I had no interest, no interest in starting my own business at all. Until I got a bit older and then I, it was more a sense of wanting to lead my own path, uh, you know, or, you know, develop my own path. Like many of us coming out of corporate want, we want to have flexible time and all of these things. Um, and I started thinking about wanting to have more of an impact or I wanted to build something and not just a career. I wanted to build something that was great. And that 
yearning went on for years before I eventually, again, such a long story, but I, um, I started out with that in the last big financial crisis where I got an opportunity to sort of hop on the coattails of a, a number of very clever people that did a management buyout of a business from one of the investment banks in Australia. And basically, we launched uh, an asset management um, business that went on, and, and I'm still involved in that company today. It's 10 years later, but it went on to be um, a pretty massive company managing, you know, 20 billion of funds under management today. And that kind of whetted my appetite to, to go out and do my own thing and build something. Uh, it didn't start out as the virtual hub. Um, I started out doing some consulting and I, I had a website called Energize Wealth. And I, I had this big vision of teaching women more about you know, wealth creation and all of this stuff. Anyway, I found that some of the, the clients I was coaching were smaller businesses. And the problem I kept seeing was that they were all trying to do everything themselves but they didn't have enough money to hire any staff. So they were sort of in this, you know, going nowhere type situation. So naturally I was like, well, we can just get VAs online in the Philippines and, and try to free up your time. And before I knew it, I was getting asked for that more than anything else. And I was like, I, there's a business here. I, people are asking me to solve this problem. I don't know why, but they were. And, you know, within a month, literally I had formed the early iterations of the virtual hub no website no business plan nothing i was like boom we're in business that was kind of it and aren't aren't some of the most uh, extraordinary businesses and entrepreneurial ventures done that way you just turn around and you're like i'm asked for this over and over again i guess i should pursue it a little bit yeah, totally. And, and, you know, getting to this hidden entrepreneur thing, which is obviously the, the topic of this whole podcast, I was thinking about this. I mean, I wasn't naturally entrepreneurial and I still don't think I am. I just was able to, I accidentally ended up in a business that was kind of leading in. I'm more like a COO type. I'm very system processes teams. But the interesting thing was I didn't even know that about myself until I started doing this. I had no background in leading people or HR or recruiting or anything. Mm. And I just naturally found myself being quite good at it um, and mastering it and then helping clients to do the same thing. So, wow. and, and out of it today, we've got 150 staff in the Philippines and rapidly growing business right now. 150 staff, that means you, you can place 150 VAs? Yes. Yeah. So we've got 150 and they're employees. We have a Philippine company today. So we have, you know, it's a fully, full blown setup now. It's like, not like the early days where it was like a motley crew of a few people thrown together trying to make a business. Yeah. Wow. Um, I want to go back for something you said. Um, I, I, I missed what you glossed over. You wanted to be a doctor? I did. I, want, I burningly wanted to be a doctor. And you know, when I walk into a hospital today, I still get that little tingle of, <laughs> I know why it just, I can't even explain it. It's like that little, Ooh, I, you know, I, I saw myself here and, and, you know, it didn't, uh, didn't pan out that way. Yeah. I get that exact feeling every time I step on an airplane. I love, I always wanted to be an airline pilot, oh, yeah. not quite a doctor, but um, I, I wanted to be an airline pilot. And to this day, I'm just like enamored by like the whole plane experience. Like I, I, I'm part of my story is, you know, I'm blessed with two adoring children, a seven-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son. So now I have the excuse when I fly with them to like go visit the cockpit and like, oh, come here guys, <laughs> yeah. come here. The, 
the uh, um, the uh, uh, pilot wants to speak to us, and then we all go and cram into the uh, into the cockpit before we take off, of course. And I'm like the little child in that circle. I'm like, come on, take a picture, come here, come here. This is look how great this is. But I don't know what it is. But I'm so drawn yeah. to it. So I get that. Uh, I get that feeling. Um, what? Uh, give us a little hint of what how that didn't happen. Yeah, look, I worked really hard. I, I worked really hard in my final year at school and I, you know, I studied like mad. And in Ireland, where I'm from at the time and still today, it's quite difficult to get into a medical, I think it is anywhere, to, to get into to, to medical school. And when I got the results, I just missed out on the enough points, as we call it in Ireland, to get into medicine. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that I had... I felt that I had done as well as I was going to do. And I just didn't have the energy in me at that point to go back and repeat that year at school to try to get in again. I was probably a bit impatient. And I just decided, you know what, let's, I'm going to go to university and I'm going to study an arts degree. And I'm just going to do it for a year and see where it takes me. And I mean, and I have that sort of nature. I'll tend to just go like, let's see what, let's see what's behind this door. Let's see what's over here. And I ended up absolutely loving it. And I just totally forgot the whole medical thing and, and went this path and, you know, enjoyed a very dynamic and fun career and hard too, like anything. And today, although I have that tingly feeling about being a doctor, I also know that I'm glad it didn't happen for me. Mm. I prefer the path. I prefer that I'm on this path that I, that I end going. It's better for me personally. Yeah, I really appreciate that that sort of awareness, acknowledgement, and in retrospect, um, was there uh, a space of time where that wasn't the case, where you were sort of questioning or kicking, like, mm, why didn't that happen? No, honestly, no, which means it probably wasn't the right path for me, or who knows? I just, I guess I just, I, no, actually, no, yeah. it was funny. Wow. I didn't have that feeling. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches, and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. Yeah, help us connect the dots from uh, early on in the very beginning. What was life like growing up for Barbara Turley? Yeah, look, I came from, you know, a great family, lots of cousins. I have three brothers. Um, I have, you know, great parents and I didn't have any, you know, I was brought up lucky, I guess. I'm one of the lucky ones, you know. I was brought up with pretty much, I, I was thinking about this before this podcast going, you know, what would I, what would I say about this? And, and sometimes... I think to myself, you know, I've been successful in my life, right? But I had every opportunity to be successful. You know, like I almost feel like there was nothing, I was given every opportunity really. Um, You know, I had great education. I had very supportive parents. I had a really strong family. Um, My mother in particular was great at planting 
very positive seeds in my head. She used to say things. It's only now that I'm like in my 40s and a mum myself. I'm like, wow, she she knew what she was doing, right? I don't know if she did know, but she would say things like, you can be anything you want to be. And I, this was ringing in my ear all the time. You know, you can be anything you want to be. You know, you can, uh, she'd say things like, um, life is a bed of roses, but roses have thorns. In other words, like, you know, you can enjoy, life is amazing, right? But just beware because it's okay to prick your finger every now and then because there's thorns. So I think I was brought up with a very positive kind of attitude and a very, um, you know, being in a house full of boys as well, I never felt like I was, you know, the girl as such. I was still um, kind of celebrated as the same as them. So, so yeah. How old were you with those memories? As early as what do you remember your mom uh, sprinkling in those words of affirmation? Look, I'd say it was pretty young. I think probably seven, eight. Nine. I mean, I don't know if I actually remember it then, but it's, yeah, there's things she used to say that I just know that they're like embedded in my subconscious. So it must have been pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. She'd always, I mean, we had our share of fights and things like that, you know, and <laughs> we knocked heads a lot when I was a teenager, but I think it was much earlier than that, that she had already planted a lot of deeply ingrained positive self-worth in my head, you know. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure you could relate. Being a parent is extremely challenging. Let's just use one blanket word. Um, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I, I've, I've come a long way, you know, 40 plus years, not as my ideal self. And now trying to make the most of all of this time, especially as a father and using that to my, my strength and my advantage. I deliberately, and I have done this with my two children, as often as possible, daily, certainly, I'll uh, whisper in their ear just these like verbal thoughts of affirmation. And uh, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You're brilliant. You're clever. You're generous. And just like throw in yes. all of these adjectives just as often as I can. So I'm glad that yeah. um, you're- It works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, there was also like, there was also moments of negativity, you know? So I was thinking uh, about this going- you know, yes, there was lots of fights in our house. Yes, my parents fought. Yeah, there were loads of problems. My brother was, my brother is profoundly deaf. That brought a lot of issues into, you know, frustration into our family and all that. But I think you only remember, you know, well, maybe it's my nature. I don't know. But I seem to remember more the positive stuff than... Mm it's like filling up the bank account. If there's more, if there's a lot of positives, then you can, you can outweigh anything of the negative and you need both sides really to balance in life. And I think too many parents today, and I do this to myself, by the way, as well. Every time there's like a negative experience where I might shout at my daughter and I think, oh, you know, damn, I've ruined it again. You know, it's like, oh my God, lay off yourself. I mean, you know, we have to have light and shade and, and, to experience life. And that's, and our children need to learn that too, you know? Yeah. If there's one thing I've learned in these handful of years that I'm on the other side of my darker times, it's just that it's mm -hmm. not about living a life of absolute perfection as you would define it 24 seven. But for me, it's really having a less than ideal moment and then sooner than later, recognizing what happened, why it happened, and just making a choice to correct it for next time. And the quicker you could, like you said, not beat yourself up and just move on and experience the now good in life overall, the better we all are. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's just the secret because every time we're trying to live positive all the time or feel amazing about ourselves all the time, I mean, that's not real life, right? You know, life yeah. is full of, we have to experience anger, we have to experience sadness and we have to, like, I think one of the things I'm trying to teach my children, well, my children are four and one, so the one-year-old probably doesn't know, but I'm trying to teach my four-year-old at the moment that it's okay to feel angry because I think in our generation, you and I, I'm in my 40s as well. I think yeah. maybe as children, we were told that anger was bad and that you should like, it's like you were kind of berated for feeling anger. It's like a bad thing that you don't want to show. And therefore that can cause a lot of problems later in life because feel like anger is one of the breath of emotions that we feel as human beings. And we have to learn how to process anger correctly. You know, so, I mean, I learned that later in life. I'm still learning that, (laughs) still learning how to do that. Why do you say that we have to experience anger and that anger is okay? Well, I just feel it's it's the breath of emotion. I mean, it is an emotion. We have to, you know, we feel grief, we feel sadness. Like, so if you're not accepting of anger, then when someone in your life dies or passes away, and I I don't even want to say it because I haven't, I haven't experienced this yet in my life. But like anger is part of grief. Or let's say you're moving on from a career or a relationship or a job or just something dies, you know, you're going to feel anger. And if you don't know how to deal with it, then, you know, or someone's going to piss you off, sorry, at school or bully you or whatever, and you might feel anger. So I think it's important that we learn to deal with these emotions and not pretend that they don't exist. Yeah, it's so true. Um, Like I said, as a parent, it's the best life lesson if you're willing to to be in school for that. Because, you know, Mm. my, my kids are teaching me constantly. They'll do something and it'll trigger an emotion. And then afterwards I have to figure out like, God, why, why? Because I want to figure it out. Why did that get to me? Why am I, because it's my problem, right? It's not their problem. It's nothing they did. I don't remember where I heard this a while ago, but I heard the quote as when you're angry, you're not angry with who you think you're angry at. In other words, the other person, it's never about that. The more you have self-awareness and understanding, you're angry at you because you feel like yeah. you can't control it or you're not getting it's, it's always, you're angry with yourself. And the more I tell myself that, I'm like, it's now so obvious and that's freeing, that's powerful. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, what, just as you were saying that, what, what sort of resonated, what I heard in my head as, we, as you were talking was actually my dad. And this wasn't when I was a child, this was like a more recent thing like maybe in the last 15 years, he, he went off and studied philosophy at one stage and became, got all into philosophy. And one thing, I mean, he used to kind of, we used to kind of roll our eyes a bit and be like, oh, dad's going off on his philosophy thing. But one thing that he did say, and he went through a patch of saying this a lot, and I, I, I have remembered it over the years because he was right, is when you feel something like that, you have to ask yourself only one question. Is there truth in it? Right? Because <laughs> and now, now the truth though, I mean, it could be, no, there isn't truth in it. It's my own lack of self-worth that's making me feel like I'm an idiot or whatever, but is there truth in it? And then is, is, the, is the truth real, like mm. for you, or is it because you have low self-worth or whatever? And, and that's something that has stuck with me over the years. And I have found quite powerful to be able to just reset myself to go, like I'm in a people business and sometimes I can feel pretty triggered by people because, you know, people are not a widget. They walk and talk and change their mind. And I'm in the business of selling, you know, people. So they, 
you can't always guarantee the product, you know, it's like, wow. you know, so sometimes I can get quite triggered, but usually it's my own sense of perfection or my, my want to have everything, you know, mm. perfect or that my word is my bond kind of thing. And I told a client that it would be like this and it wasn't that, that really triggers me, but mm. I've had to work on that over the years. Funny, I've ended up in a business that helps me to deal with that trigger <laughs> daily. <laughs> I'm sure no accident, right? Yeah, I know. Thank you, universe. <laughs> you you mentioned your brother is deaf? Yes, yeah. How has that affected or positively affected your life? Yeah, so I think um, he's amazing, by the way. He's profoundly deaf. He's like, he he had a tough, I mean, of course he had a tough, he couldn't hear, you know, in, in a... In a in a world that is hearing. But he has just inspired me so many times over the years because he doesn't care. <laughs> He's just like, I, he went off like when he was 18, he was like, I'm, go I'm moving to England. I'm going to move, I want to go to university in Manchester and I'm going to study law. And my parents were like, what you want to leave our, what you want to leave where you know everyone? And he was like, yeah, I'm off. Right? And then he went to live in London. And he's, you know, he's just such a, he's kind of like a hustler. He's, he's, he's forged many different paths in his life. And he's been, he's, he's both content and happy and full of life at the same time, you know? So, mm. but, you know, he had some very hard times. He's uh, caused hard times for our family too. And there was moments of me feeling very empathetic and sympathetic towards the cause of how he was feeling, but, and also very angry at his, mm disruption of the family because of his own frustration. So, you know, when we were kids, so, so that's, uh, but these days I just look back and think what an inspiration, you know, he, he just, he doesn't care. He doesn't let his deafness stop him at all. Hmm. And um, I know that uh, stereotypically we talk about gratitude often, but um, especially now where the person tuning in is in fact listening and hearing this you should not take anything for granted. Yes, because I do lots of podcasts, right? And one of the things he said to me one day, he said, I would love to hear some of your podcasts. And I thought, oh, that stings, you know, because he doesn't listen to them, obviously. I mean, he can do subtitles and stuff, but not the same, you know. Wow. Um, and the other thing, I remember one thing he said to me once, which like, again, difficult to hear, but, but true. He, he said the only thing he ever wanted to hear was my mom's voice. Mm. So, you know, that's like tearing up saying that, but it's, we take all those things for granted. You know, the sound of your own mother's voice is like someone who's deaf doesn't get that really, doesn't get that experience. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I get overwhelmed with the true miraculous nature of life miraculous nature of life and you know we we take so much for granted just by definition and the way almost life is set up that you are forced to look and see and take a moment of gratitude or else it's just going to every everything every miraculous moment is going to pass you by least of which you know this very moment that you and i barbara are experiencing right now you're across the world right how can that yeah. happen <laughs> well i mean you know this pandemic that we're suffering right now this year that we're in isn't it amazing that it happened i mean thank god it happened right now because the technology is here for us to overcome it to a certain extent and to keep 
some semblance of this economy, this global economy, which I believe is the next. I mean, you know, we're all now the frontliners in this new pandemic, which is going to be the global you know, unemployment and the angst that's going on. There's a lot of anger rising around the world, you know. Sure. Uh, so thank God for all this technology and for digital and for what we can now do to keep this all going. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading something the other day and it really, it, I, I never put two and two together, but it was just bringing up the idea that if this happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, how do you, I mean, really think about what we have at our disposal right right now to make this somewhat bearable. But if this didn't exist, how do you... Um, how do you educate your children? How do they learn virtually without even been a thing? They would have had to send home books and papers of instruction of, of how to do it. And, it's and nobody's have a job left. That would be, you know. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about being a hidden entrepreneur here. If there's any hidden entrepreneurs listening, I would just say to you, you know what? Stop thinking about it. The world needs as many people as possible now more than ever to step up, to rise up, to to just, you know, create jobs, to create lives, to mm. get your idea out there. If it fails, don't worry about it. Get out and do another one. Like, I mean, my first business completely failed, right? That's the whole of the story. But, you know, I've had lots of failed ideas within this business. And in fact, arguably parts of this business have failed as well, you know, but you just got to get up every day. And the way I see it is, gosh, I've got this responsibility now to all these people in the Philippines who are on my payroll and all these other people that I can create jobs for them. So when, when we, you know, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, digital right now is rising and I feel a personal responsibility to sell like mad into it because I can create jobs. I can help business owners to get their businesses more stable through cost-effective teams to, to get on board with remote and systems and all of this stuff so that then they can go on in their economies to pay more tax, to hire, you know, accountants, to hire salespeople, to hire other people. And that's the knock-on effect. I went off on a total tangent there, but that's kind of, you know, anyone listening, now is the time. <laughs> you just, you know, get yourself a mic and get a podcast going or whatever you want to do. But do Facebook Lives. Don't even worry about the podcast, you know. <laughs> I know, it's also true. And then just convert those into a podcast. It, yeah. it, it all works. You know the deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, The Hidden Entrepreneur was founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, using that as an excuse to just keep myself hidden, really. Didn't want to rock any boat. Can you tell us about a time where you were overcome with so much fear for a, in a certain situation and you were still able to, to power through? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, here's another thing my mom used to say to me. This, I can't believe I forgot this one at the beginning. Feel the fear and do it anyway. She used to say that to me all the time. Yeah, and actually, one. that's kind of what I do. I go, I just kind of, I have felt fearful at many times, but I just go, I don't care. I want to do it anyway. Now that's my nature, right? So I was sort of brought up with that sense of a bit of grit. But I think, you know, when you're in moments of fear, what ends up happening is you get into a moment of indecision. And then what happens in indecision is you sit on the fence, right? While everybody else is in playing the game, but you're not in the game. Mm. You're not making a decision. And people worry about making right decisions. Um, and I think in my first job as a trader, I can remember a moment of being frozen with fear and not knowing what to do and indecision. And this is the stock market that moves every second. It's not waiting for your fear, right? And I remember the head of trading saying to me, 
He goes, what are you doing? He goes, just make a decision. It doesn't matter. Just get in, buy, sell. Doesn't. Re- I was like, do I buy? Do I sell? I don't know. But the point was that it didn't really matter at that point. You just have to trigger that first decision and then you make another decision and then you make another decision. And if you make the wrong one, you just got to make one to find out where you're going. And then you just got to keep moving forward, right? So that's always the, the philosophy I've had in my life. And I naturally have it in my being. I will say that I think it's kind of ingrained in my DNA somewhere. I have that kind of fighter attitude. Um, and that's what's helped me get through fear. But I see a lot of people getting frozen and not realizing that it's okay if you make the wrong decision. You just got to make a decision. It's, what, you know, uh, by yourself. <laughs> what a fascinating woman you are. I love all these little topics we're touching on and the, the overall theme here. Amazing. As we look to wrap this up, what is what is the the one thing that the uh, that the person listening still needs to hear? What hasn't yet been said that they can take take away with? I'm imagining the mindset. I guess people listening to this, I guess, are maybe thinking they're a hidden entrepreneur at the moment and that it's hiding in them. I think not enough people, and maybe this is a feminine energy energy thing, right? Not enough people, women included, and myself included, at times in my life have learned how to listen deeply to truth that is within. So if you're, fe- you know, like you're, and, and fear stops you because you always think, no, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there is a knowing that is deep inside. There is the voice that is telling you that you're right and that it's time for you to step up to whatever it is. And it's learning to listen more deeply and to trust in that part of yourself that you won't know whether you're going to fail or succeed, but listening to that voice deep inside is the first step. And if you fail, it's okay, right? Because the voice will keep going. It'll keep telling you where to go. There's another voice holding you back. That's fear. And that's like doubt and all those things. You got to go deeper than the fear and doubt voice into the knowing deep within of what you want. I think that's about the only way I can, you know, wrap up. I mean, I could give loads of tips and whatever, but that's sort of deep within. Yeah. yeah, it is. That's exactly how I lived all of my hidden years, knowing consciously full well what I was capable of, yet still making the choice. And then that's what caused a lot of the angst, the anger, the frustration, the confusion, the despair, because I was like, I know what I can do. And then I see people doing it. And then that causes some jealousy, right? And then what's that and about? Resentment. Because I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, God, I could do that. Why? Yeah. Look at that. Oh, and that, yeah. And now Feel the right. fear and do it anyway. Like, who cares? Like, just do it, right? I mean, it's hard to do that, but of course, that's, that, that's the one liner I yeah. think people should put on their wall and just feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, and, who cares? And, and while you say it's hard, sure, it, 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 it starts off that way. Uh, but the more you do it, the easier it gets, because the more you do it, you then see the outcome is not as scary, right? Which is what I tell my daughter every time she has to go to the dentist. I'm like, you've been through this before. You know, there's nothing to be concerned about. You kick and scream all the way looking up to it. And then you get there and it's like, oh, so yeah. it's the same thing. And now you have proof, you have feedback of the opposite that you can use and say, well, that wasn't too bad. And then you just build on that, the momentum. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important though. I mean, don't go out and blow up a load of money and destroy yourself. I mean, I just wanted to say like, don't just blindly 
jump in. You've got to be, um, you know, but get in, dip your toe, try stuff out, make some decisions, see how it goes, see what the market's telling you, right? So mm. with business in particular, and again, I learned this the hard way. I went out and created a whole business around what I thought people wanted. Ooh. And I was like, oh, nobody bought that. Oh, people are asking for VAs, right? Okay. So the market's tapping me on the shoulder. And I, I didn't think, I've never been to the Philippines. I don't know anything about recruiting. I didn't care. I was like, I'll just get a VA online and, you know, let's yeah. see what happens. And, and, and lo and behold, and it's easy to look at someone like what I've built today and go, oh, wow, look what she did. Oh my God, I've had some dark moments with this business, right? I mean, you know, it looks shiny and beautiful on the outside. And that's, of course, what you want to present to the world. And I've shared this on other podcasts. The journey's been hard, right? But it's the fighter in me and the passion and all that that fight to win, right? So I, I, I've, I've gotten through those times. So there will be moments where you'll think, this business is rubbish. I'm doing a terrible job. What have I done? But that every business suffers that. That's normal. It's just hidden. Yeah. Nicely put. How can people follow up with you to keep this conversation going? Sure, we actually have. So if you, I, I'm not very active on social media. You'd think I would be, but I'm not really. I do have a podcast, shameless plug for my podcast, The Virtual Success Show. Uh, it is quite about VAs and stuff. Um, but I have a, we have a special link for your listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to thevirtualhub.com forward slash hidden entrepreneur, there's some free goodies over there about anyone who is thinking about, you know, starting that business or, you know, someone in the phase of has a business but doesn't know how to delegate, is afraid of letting go. There's some guides and stuff there for you. Um, yeah, or thevirtualhub.com. We've got loads of content over there. My podcast is there. And of course, LinkedIn. If you want to find out more about me personally, just look up Barbara Turley on LinkedIn and you'll find me there. Uh, we are connected there for sure. And uh, thevirtualhub.com slash hidden entrepreneurs, you said. Very excited. Thank you for putting that together. Barbara, this has been extraordinary. Tremendous. Thank you so much for coming on, showing up and opening up like you have. Thanks for having me. And thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode. So great to have you joining us each and every time. You know, uh, I I appreciate it so much. We're going to do it again before too long. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.